talk to God where you are. Invite Him. Invite Him. Invite Him. In the worthings of that song, invite Him today. Bear your heart to Him in praise. Bear your heart to Him in adoration. Bear your heart to him in praise. Bear your heart to him in adoration. desires oh God is that your word will come to us clearly oh God cause us to understand what you are saying and order our lives thereby in the name of Jesus thank you almighty God in Jesus name we pray Please, before we take our seat, I'll be glad if you get your Bibles out. We're going to take the Bible affirmation together. This is my Bible. It is God's inerrant and unchanging word. A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I hide his words in my heart that I might not sin against God. The Bible is God talking to me personally. I therefore listen to it carefully and obey it fully. And I internalize it in my life by doing these four things. Know it in my head by diligent study. Store it in my heart by memorization and meditation. Show it in my life by obeying its teachings. And sow it in my world by being a witness. Hereafter, I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Please, you may be seated. As you sit, please help me welcome your brother, your sister to church. Glory be to God. Since the beginning of the year, we've been looking at one subject, albeit in different dimensions, the Great Commission. Last week, I began to talk about the subject of compelling. And we read from uh, the gospel according to Luke, uh, verse 14, from verse 16 to verse 23. In verse 23, there was a word there that was used. It was the word compel them to come. Compel them. We found that in the sayings of Jesus, 
There are two other places in the Bible, or three other places in the Bible, that he used the same words of compulsion, compelling them to come. In Luke chapter 14, verse 23, he said, compel them. And last week we did say, the word compel that that master used was the word anakazo. It speaks of an invitation. An invitation that comes with force. An invitation that is persistent. An invitation that comes with persuasion, entreaty. An invitation that is determined not to accept no as an answer. That was the word that was used there. And we find that in other writings, Jesus had given the same sense also. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, the Bible says there, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. That phrase, suffered violence, is a word, is one word in the original language. It is the word anada. It speaks of the same thing. The word biazo. It speaks of the same thing of being forceful. In Luke's gospel chapter 11 verse 8, Jesus speaking told a parable and said something there. Verse 8. He says, I say unto you, Though he will not rise and give him, but because he is not because sorry, unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, will rise and give him as many as he needed. Importunity, importunity. We have said if our message is going to be compelling. The carrier of our message must understand the message. You must know the message. Paul said in that scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, For which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am and and persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed into his hands against that day. He was sure of the message he carried. As the messenger of that message, the messenger of the gospel, you must know your message. Because knowledge is extremely important for you to be able to use your message or bring your message in any clime, in any circumstance, in any context. It is extremely important that we have a good working knowledge of our message. After you have known your message, in delivering your message, you must be confident. Because even when you are carrying the right message, if you are not confident about it, somebody carrying the wrong message who is confident might have his way. And so it's extremely important that you know the message. And what is our message? Christ crucified. It's not about do's, it's not about don'ts. It is Christ crucified. From the studies of scripture, we know that God has dealt with the sin problem once and for all. So if a man dies now in his sins, and goes to hell. He has himself to blame because he had not made the he has not taken advantage of God's provision for his life. And that advantage is the fact that 
For God commended his love towards us. He showed his love, displayed his love towards us. In that while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. The just for the unjust. He had paid the price for the sin problem. And so we come with that boldness to deliver this message. In delivering this message, we are not apologetic about the message. No, you say it confidently because you know that there is no name given among men under heaven whereby any man can be saved. Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't say I am a way. He's the only way. And you have to be very unabashed about it. I'm not asking you to be arrogant, but you have to be very, very confident without being apologetic about that message. The Bible meant what he said there. And of course, he says what it means. And in being unapologetic, therefore, you must be bold about it. Because boldness is required for you to deliver this message that brings life. And so that speaks of the word anakazo. But the two other words, biazo and anieda, that Jesus used, I want us to take some time within what we have to look at it. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 12 again, it said, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. That word, suffered violence, is the word biazo. It means the use of force. It means to compel. It means to be forceful about a thing. In Luke chapter 16, verse 16, the same word is also used. When the scripture says the law and the prophets were until now, since the days, since that time, the kingdom of God is preached, and every man pressed into it. When in the days of old, in the days of the Old Testament, you approach God by keeping the ordinances, the Jewish laws and sacrifices. Then a time came as men, as God's revelation was made clear via the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in order for that revelation to be accepted, God sent John the Baptist first. Why did he send John the Baptist first? He sent John the Baptist first to prepare the way of the Lord. And what was one of the things that was to prepare the way of the Lord? To preach the message of repentance. Because John came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. What was the definition or what was the spirit and power of Elijah about? The fact that Elijah was able by the spirit of God upon him to bring a reconciliation between Israel and God. Men that have been given to Baal worship. Men that were away, away, away from God. They have moved away from God in their hearts, in their practice, everything. But by the demonstration of the power of God via the hands of Elijah. The Bible says in 1 first, in Kings chapter 18, if you read it from verse 22 down, you will see the display of the battle that took place between the prophets of Baal and Elijah the prophet. And he stood alone because God was with him. And he brought forth a release of the power of God, such that men of Israel that had gone away from God, they all came back and massed to God and proclaimed that, yes, the Lord our God indeed, he is God. And John the Baptist came, preaching the gospel of repentance, pointing people or creating people's interest to the, for the coming Messiah and causing them to begin to look forward to him. At a point, or look forward for him, at a point, they began to ask him, are you the Messiah or should we expect another? 
And he said, he is not the Messiah. But that the Messiah is coming. And in one of such occasions, by the finger of God, he saw him. And he said, behold, this is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Amen. But Jesus said, men are pressing into the kingdom of God. It means that if you are going to press, it means there are obstacles to be avoided or to be surmounted. There are difficulties on the way of the kingdom. There are different excuses that men will give. And so in order for us to be able to get people by the spirit of God into the kingdom of God, be ready to face obstacles. Be ready for barriers that the enemy will throw at you. But if you are persistent about it, he has said, you will overcome and be successful at the task he has given us. Beloved of God, in being persistent, he speaks of a measure of violence. A measure of you refusing to take no for an answer. You keep going to that person. Like I said, as I was growing up, in my own section of Lagos, on the section of the street that I lived, there used to be a group of persons from the Apostolic Faith Church then. They would come every afternoon. They were very regular. They never missed their time. Within 12.30, you can be sure they will be in the community. They will be in that community for the next at least one hour. And just like they did the previous week, the week before then, the week before, before, before then, they were very, very routinous, very, very methodical, never giving up. They divided themselves into groups. Initially, they used to come with one vehicle. As the number of responders increased, they came with two, then three, and on and on. They went from house to house, house to house, house to house, looking for young men, young women, boys, girls, to take to Sunday school at their church there at Ebutemeta Cemetery Street then, opposite the cemetery there. And they made it a fun. They made it interesting. They were very, very persistent. They are taking time to study what was required, what appealed to our interest, and they were willing to come there. But one thing you cannot give away to them, I mean, you cannot take away from them, was the fact that whether it is raining or it is shining, you will be sure by 12.30 they will be there. And they will be there complete. They were very, very persistent. And it doesn't matter what are the excuses you will give. They will find all possible means to bring you to go with them to Sunday school. They will come again and again and again. They may come to this house the first time. Maybe nobody answered. Within the week, they come back on their own. Find out the names of some of the young boys and the young girls in that neighborhood because their target was specific within a certain age group. Young boys, young girls in that house, when they are coming the next week, they are coming to ask for you specifically. And of course, your parents will say, okay, he's here. what can I do for you? And so when they hear they are from church and they will come inviting you. You may give an excuse and say you won't go this Sunday. After a while, they will leave you. But next Sunday, you can be sure they are coming back. They are not going to give up on you until you have followed them for that Sunday school class. And even after you have followed them, they become more dogged, more determined to make sure that you come and learn the way of God. Beloved of God, that was how most of us in, within the first 16 houses in, my, in the street I lived. Then, growing up in Lagos here, 
That was how a lot of us, they don't care whether you are of the other religion or you don't even have a religion. Just follow them. Come and hear the word of God. And they got us as many. And I thank God that their labors paid off. Today, many of those are my friends and colleagues that we lived in the same street. Most of them are ministers today, but all of them are Christians. All of them. It sounds strange, but they were there. Particularly those of us that used to follow them there. Beloved of God, the Bible says the kingdom of God suffered violence and men are pressing into it. What does it imply? It implies the fact that you are bold about the message. The fact that you are torn down today doesn't mean you, yeah, I mean you should give up on the person. You keep going after the person. Only God knows the number of prayers or hours of prayers or fasting they would have done before coming to us that day. Those will certainly, they were not coming to us empty-handed. They will come ready. They will come serious. They will come well-dressed. And they will come with language to ensure that we, they get across to us and they are able to communicate their message to us clearly. Beloved of God, that was Biazo. Today, most of us, we have opportunity to, to even tell somebody that you know that Jesus died for me, for you. Do you know you have opportunity today? You know, like I shared in the earlier service, I had an experience once in Abuja. When I was in the bank, and I used to go to Abuja quite often. And when I get there, our main office there, I would go there, sit down, do a few work, before going out to do the major things I came to do. And I noticed this young man that was there. He was always together. There's no time you go, you meet him, his suit proper, his shirt white, his shoe, if he's black, he's black. If he's brown, he's brown. The guy, well-groomed, always together. Then one day, I made up my mind I was going to witness to this guy. And I called him. His name then was, he's still Rogers. I said, Rogers, you know what? I just like you from a distance. You are, I observe that you are always together. I have never seen your hair unkempt. Your beards always together. Your dress. Ah, we will make your suits for you. Oh, we began to talk about it a little bit. Then my next visit to introduce the person. But that was not what I was looking for in him. And he too, I didn't even know that he was a Christian. When he had the opportunity to speak to this guy from Lagos, he was also ready to sell me his product. We had the same product. But we had different approaches. But the point is that each of us were ready and were very forceful about our products. Are you following me? I had Jesus to sell to him. He had Jesus also to sell to me. And each of us waited for our opportunity. You know, the Bible told Stephen, I mean, it told Philip, join yourself to this chariot. And Stephen began to run along. As he ran along, he had the man reading from Isaiah 53. And he started from where the man was. He said, do you understand what you are reading? The man said, how can I understand if no man will explain to me? If no man will teach me? And he said, can I come in and teach you? And he entered the chariot and sat with him. He started from a point in which there was an accommodation for him. A common ground. Most of us don't have common ground with our unbelieving friends. Hello, hi. Hello, hi. Nothing personal. Because you feel that uh, is, uh, is he or she is an unbeliever, I'm a Christian, I must not relate with him. 
If you don't relate with an unbeliever, you don't have unbelieving friends, how will you be able to minister Christ to them? Create a rapport. Create an opportunity to come. And I spoke, as I spoke with him that day, complimenting him, I said, boy, you look good. Who taught you how to do this? This, 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 this. You must be spending so much on yourself. He smiled broadly. And I expected, what I expected to hear, like any other person, was where, uh, you know, I was well taught from home, and so on, and so on, and so on. He didn't say that. He just took a straight look into my eyes with a smile. He said to me, sir, well, not really. I said, well, how do you mean not really? He said, actually, I have not been spending on myself the way somebody else had spent on me. I didn't know he was a Christian. I probably thought maybe his parents were spending money on him. He wasn't married at that time. Maybe I felt he had a girlfriend that was spending money on him. I was getting ready for the next thing I was going to say to him. So I, out of curiosity, I asked him, who is this person that has taken so much interest in you and have spent so much on you? And right there and then, he began to tell me his story. How he was in the secondary school. After some time in the secondary school, one of his friends invited him to a youth meeting, a gathering of friends in the school. They were in boarding school. And he was interested in following his friend because his friend was always good in school. Doing well, very diligent guy, neat guy. And so he followed him to that meeting that day. He said in that meeting, as he remembered, there were about 16 or 32 of them, one of the two. And they sat down. They began to sing. As they sang, they clapped. The friend did not tell him it's an SU meeting. If it was an SU meeting, Roger said he wouldn't have gone. Because he has an idea, he has a knowledge, whether it is correct or not, what the SU meeting was all about. So he said, when he got there, he found them singing. And he called, is that why you brought me? Is that why I came here? You have been inviting me. Now I have come. Is this it? He said, while he was thinking of what to tell his friend, somebody took a chorus. And it's a song that moved him so much. He said he loved the song. Even though he didn't know how to sing the song well, he began to mime the song with them. Because of that song, he said he went back again the following week. He kept going. He kept going. Some period into his constancy going, constantly going, he said, somebody came in from outside, and preached to them that day. And that day, he recognized the fact that he was a sinner, and he got born again. He said, Oga, that is the person that has spent so much on me. He died for me. He gave his life for me. He says that he exchanged my sin for his righteousness. That was how I got born again. Because suddenly, that day I got to know that my righteousness, my goodness, my being a good boy cannot save me. That was how I accepted Jesus into your, my life as my Lord and personal Savior. And I thank God, he said, since then, he has been keeping me. When I had that, of course, I took it to another state because I wanted to know his still level of, his present level of commitment with God. And when he said a few things, I could get his drift where he was coming from. Then I, right there and then, I told him my own story too. How I got interested in him. And the reason why I got interested in him. Beloved of God, a lot of us are not doing what we should do. 
Simply because we're not interested in the unbeliever. And do you know why we're not interested in the unbeliever? Because everybody is minding his own. And let me tell you this. It is part of the signs of the ends of the age. If you are truly a born-again Christian, and you are a doer of the word, whether you love the unbeliever or not, you will preach the gospel. Why will you preach the gospel? The disciples of old did not preach the gospel because they loved the unbelievers. They went after the unbelievers to preach to them because their master commanded them to do it. Jesus commanded it. He said, all powers in heaven and on earth have been delivered to me. Go make disciples. That is the first reason you do it. You do it because it's a command. Secondly, you do it because you have experienced the love of God in it. And as you do that, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. Suddenly, you begin to see somebody, not just as a statistics, or as a neighbor, as a good boy, or as a bad boy in the community. You suddenly see him as a person that Jesus died for. Out of that mentality, you will go in prayer and remember to pray for him. It's not just me, me and myself alone. No! You pray for him in his totality. You pray for his salvation. You pray. The Bible says if our gospel be hid, it is hid from those that the God of this world has blinded their mind's eye so that they will not be able to see the glorious light of God. But God has commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Beloved of God, as a result of that, you go to them, you present in the simplicity of the gospel. Why? Because you believe on the commission that your master gave you. Because you love your master enough to obey him. And thirdly, because you love the unbeliever. Because the Bible says, for, for God so loved the world, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Rogers, like I told us, was a disciple of the Lord. But he was not just a disciple of the Lord. He was a disciple that had learned to make disciples. He had learned the principle that every opportunity is an opportunity for me to witness. That is a life dedicated to God. That is a life that brings glory to God. That is a life that will not be bothered about what I do, what I don't do. Because the mentality of always glorifying God, projecting is Jesus, will even affect his dressing. Will affect whether he helps somebody or not. Will affect how he talks. So, at the end of the day, you will fulfill the scripture that says that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Good works is not about do's and don'ts. Good works is not because I want to be good. No. Good work is your nature. It flows out of you because of the place you have placed your master in. What do you value Jesus with? Of what value is Jesus to you? Some of us, since the day you got born again, or let me say, since the beginning of this year, January 1 to today, only God knows our quantity of oxygen you are breathing. You didn't pay for it. You didn't ask for it. God forbid you need oxygen today. You will know how much money you have to pay. But God has given this thing free to you. And you take it liberally. Sometimes you go to the toilet. And you go there before you sit long. Bah, the sons of perdition are out. Do you know that some people are waiting? Praying God that they will be able to go to the toilet. Gives it to you freely. You sleep in the night. Whether you are conscious of it or not. Some gases begin to go out of you through the pathway. 
Do you know that some people go through processes and they will be praying, God, let me gas today. Do you know? And yet God gives all things to you, to you freely. Who is making profit from your life? From the education he has given you. From the opportunities he has given you. From the job he has given you. From the good and stable family he has given you. Who is making profit from your life? The Bible says, what shall it profit a man to gain the old world and lose his own soul? You are born again today. You may not lose your soul. But beloved of God, there is a reward to be gained. There is a reward to be lost. And because of that understanding, you live your life at all times to glorify Jesus. Because of that understanding, everything about you is pointing men to God. No signboard points to himself. Every signboard points to another. And the signboard is always persistent. The signboard never complains. If he's showing this, that is how he's going. Come next year. As long as the signboard is still there, it's very persistent. That is why you and I, we need to be persistent. We need to be persistent about the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't take no for an answer. That is what Jesus said. He said the men are pressing in. He suffers violence. Go out there. Refuse to accept no for an answer. Let there be an opportunity in your heart. Keep going to him. Keep going to him. Do you know what happened in the city of Ephesus? If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 32 or 33, Apostle Paul said, when he was in the city of Ephesus, he wrestled with beasts, speaking in the language of men. He wrestled with beasts. What does that mean? And we found he began, he was, he, he stayed in prayer. He prayed so much for that city. Maybe in the night he was praying. He says, verse 32, if after the manner of men, I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage it means? If the dead rise not, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. It is not for us to live for a carnal nature, but for us to know that Christ has paid the price. He will pray and pray and pray for that city. In the day, for five hours, every day for 27 months, every day for 27 months, Apostle Paul was teaching Christ. He was teaching Christ crucified, Christ resurrected. He kept teaching, he kept teaching. And the Bible says in verse 20 of that scripture, verse uh, chapter 19, that in that city of Ephesus, so mightily grew the word of God that it prevailed. Beloved of God, that man can be saved. That woman can be saved. That your brother, that your sister can be saved. They can be saved if you are passionate enough about it. Pray for him. Pray for her. Spend time for that boy. Spend time for that girl. Ask God to send laborers to that person. And when you pray that prayer, you are often the first laborer God sends. And beloved of God, haven't you noticed that the unbelievers are very, very unabashed about sin? They make sin so attractive, look so attractive. They make sin so salacious. They make sin so common. They make it so that even if you are not sinning with them like that, you will be the odd person out. Have you not noticed it? Can't we do the same for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? If they are unashamed of their gospel, is it we that should be ashamed of our gospel? They are unashamed of their way of life. Is it we that should be ashamed of our way of life? Oh, they will put it on your face. They will put it, they advertise it, they will put a naked woman there, or near naked woman. They are reading the news. The, the, the cleavage must get down. They are doing this. Everything they do, they attach one sensuality or the other to it. Or is it the music? Have you listened to some of the new music that is going on now? You ask yourself, what are they saying? What did he say? What are they promoting? If they can be so 
unashamed about what they are doing. Why can't we be unashamed about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Why can't we put it on their faces? Put it on their faces. Haven't you observed that the LBGT community today, they have even gone as low as cartoons for children. What is it? You! You are there. You can create content. Why don't you create your own content also? Stop sitting down pointing finger. Get up and do something. Do something. Don't say they will see the way I live. No. Jesus knew that we are going to live right. He knew. But he said, go and tell. You must speak. You must witness. You must lead people to Christ. That is why you are still here. That is why the blessing is still here. That is why God still answers your prayer. What are you doing about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? What are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? Beloved of God, what are you doing about the gospel? If you die now, if you die now, and you go before the reward system of God, when it's time to do that, what is the reward you will get? The Bible says some, their works will be burnt with fire. Those that built out of carnality, let them see me. I'm the one and so on. But those that took time to build with gold, silver, those that worked sincerely for the Lord, people may not see you, but as you get before him, there is a reward he gives. While some Christians who get to heaven, the Bible says their works will be born. They alone will just be scarcely saved. What kind of believer do you want to be? Are you willing to give God glory? The most important asset of God on earth here is the church. And the church is here because of the lives of men. Men have been given the commission to reach men. Why? What does it? You are in a BRT. You are driving with your colleagues or friends or somebody the Spirit of God just said, take this person with you. Why do you think he wants you to take that person on the ride to in the direction you are going? It's not because the person couldn't pay. It's not because uh, the person cannot wait at the bus stop or call an Uber. But it's simply because he will have the opportunity to hear the good news. And God knows you are there. Because you are there, it depends on you to represent him. How are you representing God? Particularly with respect to soul winning. Since this year began, how many people have you brought to the Lord? Are you a disciple of the Lord? Are you a disciple making disciples? Some of us, we are so ashamed of being seen with our Bible. Some of us, we are so ashamed with being associated with the name of the Lord. Jesus said, if you are ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of you before my Father and his holy angels. I'm sure you don't want that to happen to you. Beloved of God, I come here with a passion this morning. I come here with a, a, a desire, a strong desire in my heart today. That all of us who go out there, as a disciple, your message is Jesus. It's not a church. Your message is Jesus. It's not do's and don't. Your message is Jesus. It's not where the person is coming from. Present the saving knowledge of the Lord to that person. And don't just present as an advertiser. Even as advertisers. Last week I told us, I gave us statistics on Coca-Cola. As at that Sunday morning, what was happening with them. They never give up. They don't say because they are known. They give up. No. They want to keep impressing on you until you take the decision and keep taking their decisions. And keep taking the kind of decision they want you to take. You are a child of God. Who is with you? Who is following you to heaven? Who is going to heaven because of you? 
Remember, God is also a businessman. He has made so much investment on you. What is the returns he's getting on your life? Thank God that you give to church. Thank God for your tithing. Thank God for your offering. Thank God for your special seed. Thank God for your professor. offering. Thank God for your first fruit. We thank God for that. But beyond that, much more than that, God demands you to reach men. When the angel spoke to uh, centur uh, the centurion, he told the centurion, Colinus, listen, go send men to Joppa. They will see a man called Peter. Bring him to you. He will tell you what to do. Why didn't the angel witness to him? Because it is not given to angels to reach men. It is given to men to reach men. And the Bible says that God is not... Uh, some people say, why is it that the, what he told us before is still happening today? They said, Jesus will come. Jesus will come. He hasn't come all this while. He says that, look, God is patient. He's long-suffering. Why? Because he doesn't want any to, fail, to, 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 to die and go to sin. He's desirous that everybody will come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why don't you position yourself? That boy on your street, that lady on your street, why don't you get interested? Your colleague in the why don't you get interested? Do something with what God has given you. Take advantage of the opportunity and you go. If you don't have anything to say, tell him your story. Tell her your story. Tell him how, mag how, magnif uh, how gracious God has been to you. And let him know, just like Roger has told me, I am because he is. You are a signboard pointing people to him. Beloved of God, what are you doing with this opportunity you have? You don't have eternity to fulfill destiny. No. There's something for you to do now. There are men, that women, boys, girls, that God is trying to reach through you. Through you. What are you doing about it? That is why we must be compelling in our message. That is why we must press in with our message. That is why we must refuse to accept no concerning our message. You keep going. You keep praying. You keep going. You keep praying. You keep going. You keep praying until you see the result that you desire. And God is willing to do it for all of us. What are you doing with Jesus? What are you doing for Jesus? Bow your heads. Let us pray. How many people have you witnessed to this year? In the month of February, how many people have you led to Jesus? If there is none, too bad. Shame. It's important, therefore, that all of us get involved. Repent before God this morning and ask him for help, strength, for you to be an effective witness to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will do it unashamedly. You will do it boldly because of what he has done for you. Talk to God where you are. If you are here, you are not born again. And you want to give your life to Jesus. You want to be a child of God. This is an auspicious moment for you to do that. I wonder if I can just see your hands up. Let me pray for you quickly. Or pray with you quickly. If you are listening from home, watching from home, I want you to also pray this prayer quickly. Those of us that are here, I want you to talk to God. Talk to God. God, I must be a soul winner. I must be a disciple maker. Help me to be faithful in my duty towards you in this regard. And if you are watching from home, pray this prayer with me. And those of us here that want to give your life to Jesus. Father God, say with me, Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. He paid the price of my sins and gave me an opportunity to become your own. 
Father God, I come before you. In line with your word, I believe in my heart that Jesus died for me. And I confess with my mouth that he's Lord of my life. Accept me as your child today. I am born again according to your word. In the name of Jesus. Amen. If you pray that prayer here, lift up your head everybody. If you pray that prayer here, I want you immediately after the service to see uh, the pastor standing, Pastor Christian. He will be able to speak with you and give you further instructions hereafter. If you uh, took the decision while on screen, I want you to call the numbers there. Or note it on the device or on the medium through which you are watching. Somebody will reach you. Put your email, your number there. Let somebody reach you. The Lord bless you in Jesus' name. Before I go, I want to pray for us for the week. Amen. In Psalm 86 verse 17, the scripture says there, Show me a token for good, that they which hate me may see it and be ashamed, because thou, Lord, hast helped me and comforted me. I thought you would give me that scripture in the New Living Translation, please. In the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation. Praise the Lord. He says, send me a sign of your favor. I want you to bow your head and pray. Lord, this week, send me a sign of your favor. Let me enjoy your favor this week. Let me see the manifestation of your hand upon my life this week. Talk to God where you are. Talk to God. Talk to God. Talk to God. And as you pray, listen to me and say amen where you need to say amen. I declare over you today that whatever is remaining, whatever benefit or blessing that is yours, that is hanging somewhere that is supposed to have dropped in January or in February, I declare you will not miss it in the name of Jesus. They will come for you in Jesus' name. They will be released unto you in Jesus' name. May the Lord show you a token for good. I say in this week you will not be ashamed in the name of Jesus. I program good into your lives. I subtract any evil. You will not be kidnapped. You will not enter the wrong vehicle. You will not suffer deception in any way. In the name of Jesus. I declare by the spirit of God that your expectations will be fulfilled. In the name of Jesus. I say you will come forth with laughter. Your seeds will speak for you. They will answer. Your sacrifices will answer. And you will be remembered in the name of Jesus. You and yours shall be preserved. And I call for the dispatching of the angels to go forth to minister for you in Jesus' name. Go and bring testimonies to the glory of your God. In Jesus' name we are prayed. Amen. God bless you. Let us receive Pastor Christian, please.